You know, entering into His presence is, is really about faith. You know, I was contemplating this message. And it's going to be a two-parter. I mean, the Lord's already shown me that today we have to understand our identity in Christ and, and, and what's involved in being in His presence before we can actually go out and allow His presence to get outside of us and minister. You know, the Holy Spirit came... When we got saved, the Holy Spirit came in us for us. But when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, He came upon us for others. So when we, when we step out of, of... When we understand who we are in Christ and we understand His presence and what we really carry, that's when we'll be able to start going out and being a witness and, and, and operating and working in the power of God. We'll do the greater works of God. But if, if you don't get this first part, then you won't do the second part. Okay? Is that fair? So we're going to talk today about His presence. Experience of the kingdom presence of God for ourselves. You see, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, this is in, in Acts chapter 2, when, G, and when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit had come upon them, but he preached, and he used, he used the prophecy of Joel, uh, an Old Testament prophet. He used the prophecy of King David. He used these prophecies to draw the people so they would understand, oh, God, God did say these things. God did plan these things. God had a purpose for all these things that He spoke. And now he says this is transferred from being an external thing to an internal thing. See, the day, that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and filled them. When they got saved, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you got saved, you had the indwelling Spirit of God come inside you. And I know that that seems kind of weird to say that, but that's what happened. Your spirit changed that day because the Spirit of God came in and took up residence in your spirit. And that can never change. The way I understand Scripture, once you're born of the incorruptible seed, it's incorruptible. That means it can never be corrupted again. So the enemy comes and he goes after our soulish realm all the time. The rest of your life, he's going after your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you have to, you have to, we have to make a conscious effort to stay in the presence of God. We have to constantly... So they went from having this external worship, going to the temple, offering these sacrifices, these blood sacrifices, these animals. That's how they would get into the presence of God. The, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. But on the day of Pentecost, all that changed. Because now God says that we are the temple of God. So He comes in and He takes up residence. His presence comes and resides in us. And I know that just, I don't get it, Pastor. That didn't, what does that mean? He comes and resides in us. But that's what we, we want to discover today because many of you, you go from day to day and you don't recognize His presence in your life and that's what He wants because if, once you recognize His presence in your life, everything will change for you. Amen? So we'll turn to Psalm chapter 16. We're going to look at this one psalm and it's just about 11 verses. We're going to look at that today and break it down a little bit. It won't be long. You, you know when I say that, it doesn't usually mean anything. So uh, it's it's... We're looking at the indwelling presence of God from the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and it would fill somebody. How long did it last? It was temporary. But King David was one of those that God filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came and he would rest on him. Remember when, when David messed up with Bathsheba? You know what one of his prayers was? Lord, God, please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He had the presence of the Holy Spirit within him. So we can learn from King David a lot of things about how we're supposed to operate in, in this life today in a New Testament life that we have uh, uh, 
the resurrected life that we have through Jesus Christ. I love in, in the Passion Translation because he, he calls this a precious song. That's what a psalm is. A song, S-O-N-G, engraved in gold. Engraved in gold. So we need to go back. Listen, here's Miriam Webster's definition of, of the presence. It means something such as a spirit felt or believed to be present. How many of you have ever felt the presence of God? Okay. How many of you know by faith that's how it operates? It's by faith. Everything we do in the, in the Christian walk is by faith. Somebody goes, well, I don't feel anything. Well, that's... I'm sorry. <laughs> I've heard it preached before from other pastors. You know, you can be sitting here, and one of you can be like, man, you're experiencing the presence of God. Like, whoo, you got the goosebumps going. You got the tears are flowing. Man, you just know He's here. It's like, it's like somebody sitting beside you. They're going to catch it, you know? But then that person next to you might be thinking about the football game. He might not have any clue of what's going on in your heart, in your soul. He may be so absent. and He's not allowing the presence of God. He doesn't feel anything. He doesn't see anything. He doesn't hear anything. Because you know why? Because he's not operating in faith. They're not operating in faith. Without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. So... Faith is involved in getting into the presence of God. All right? So we're going to look at some real quickly. We're going to look at some things that, that uh, some, some ways we can understand we're in the presence of God and what being in His presence does for each and every one of us. And so building up our identity in Christ. Verse 1 says, Keep me safe, Almighty God. I run for dear life to you, my safe place. God's presence is also our protection. Say, our protection. How many of you know that when you're in the presence of God, listen, He, he's, he wants to protect you from every, in, every fiery dart of the enemy. He wants you, but listen, what's involved in that? Holding up the shield of faith. It says when we put on the armor of God, we take the shield of faith, and what does it do? It quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. And if you're hit all the time, listen, your shield isn't up. How many of you watch, what's it, Star Trek that always had the shields? Call, call it, what do they call some of you techies? Trekkies. Trekkie techies. The, the shields. What were the shields for? I'm just, I'm just glad that none of y'all are any Trekkies in here. That's good. But they would call these shields up, and so when the, when the enemy would attack, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't affect the Starship Enterprise. Captain Kirk. All right? Well, that's in a sense, when we, when we have that shield of faith up, the, the fire darts of the enemy don't hit us. So he says, Keep me safe, Almighty God. I run for dear life to you, to you my safe place. Proverbs 18.10 says, and many of you know this verse, the New King James says, The name of the Lord is a strong what? Tower. The righteous run into it and are safe or saved. The righteous run into the strong tower of God. So what does it mean to run into the tower of God? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean run into the world. You can't run to the world and run to God at the same time. You'll explode. <laughs> You'll split in half. You know, you can't, you can't have an allegiance to God and allegiance to the world and expect it to work out good for you. So when we're running into, when we're running into the strong tower of God, we're running away from the plan of the enemy. See, some of you, y'all spend more time hanging out with the enemy than you do hanging out with God. And you expect different results? That's called insanity. Oh, I'm just going to hang out with my old friends and I know they're druggies. I know they're drunkards. I know this. I know this about... But you know what? I want to share Jesus with them. And listen, that doesn't usually work out too good. 
It says, bad company corrupts good habits, good morals. So you think, I'm going to get in the presence of God, but I want to get in the presence of God with all my old friends. It just doesn't work. You get in the presence of God. Listen, you're in the presence of God today. You're with your family of God. You're here. We're worshiping God. Listen, you're in the most safe place you can be right now. It's just a safe place. How many of you feel safe in here? I know, not because we have a cop outside either. But that helps. Where's Richard? I saw Richard earlier. He's, he's hanging out somewhere. Verse 2. So I said, the Lord God, you are my maker. Listen to this. It's so beautiful. You are my maker, my mediator, and my master. Any good thing you find in me has come from you. Isn't that the truth? Listen, anything from us outside of God is just, is just flesh. And it's usually a mess. So any good thing that comes out of us, it comes from God. And He said to me, My holy lovers are wonderful, my majestic ones, my glorious ones, fulfilling all my desires. Do you know when you're walking with the Lord, when you're in His presence, you're fulfilling His desires for you? Did you understand that? Did you understand that He's our mediator, that He's praying for you? Every, every moment, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and He's interceding for the saints. Say, I'm a saint. See, if you don't know Jesus, you ain't. But if you know Jesus, you're a saint. It's not, it's not reserved for somebody that does these miracles and, and the, the church says, oh, we're going to deem them a saint. No, if you know Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus has washed you, cleansed you from all your sins, you're a saint. So look at your neighbor saying, hello, Saint Randy, whatever their name is. <clears throat> saint Brandy? I'm Saint Harold. Hark the herald, angels sing. Saint Summer. Hi, Saint Summer. So we should just start calling each other by a saint. Maybe? No. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Sam, for that information. Now the Kardashians got into this. I don't know. You see, not only are we protected, but our position comes from His presence. See, some people, they, they worry about their performance. They're, they're all about their performance. I'm doing a funeral for a young man today, and he was 46 years old, Martin Smith. Three o'clock, right here. And when his wife called, she called us, and she said, We need a miracle. We need a miracle. So we've, we've been to the hospital. We were there for nine, ten days. Every day, sometimes more than once a day, sometimes twice a day, taking a prayer blanket, praying for, for Martin, praying for his wife, praying for a miracle, believing for a miracle, taking communion to them. Of good things. Listen, we can't ever do enough good things. We'll never be good enough. We'll never be perfect enough to enter into heaven. Only perfection gets to heaven. And that's why we have to believe Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Because He is perfection. And we are hidden in Him. It's like God's, It's like Jesus sneaks us into heaven. I never thought about that. Come on, get in here. We're going in. I'm hidden in Christ, right? Like sneaking some a kid on board a plane in your luggage, you yeah. know. 
that's not cool. That's not. Let's have a little oxygen mask. So it's not about it's not about what we've accomplished because Jesus accomplished everything. We can't say it's finished. Only Jesus said it's finished, and so we get to we get to go in with Him. You know, it's like somebody buying you a concert ticket and getting you on the front row, and you didn't pay a dime, and they just say, oh, come on up to the front. That's what Jesus said, come on up to the front. What, man? Yeah, I paid for that. I paid for that. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for, for paying for that. Because it's all about His goodness. It's all about His mercy. It's all about His grace. That's where we find our position in Him. He is our maker, our mediator, our master. And any good thing you find in me has come from you, Lord. He wants us to experience life and experience it to the fullest. There's a lot of words throughout this, this psalm you'll read, you'll, you'll hear a lot about pleasure. God, Some people think, well, God didn't want me to have any fun in this life. Well, that's just not true. God wants us to enjoy this. He made this world for us. He made it for Adam and Eve. They messed it up. But listen, we, we get a do-over. The do-over came through the son, through Jesus Christ. Verse 4, Yet there are those who yield to their weakness and they will have troubles and sorrows unending. I never gather with such ones nor give them honor in any way. Listen, when you reject God's presence, you forfeit heaven. You forfeit it. Oh, but God, you wouldn't, you're a loving God. You wouldn't send anybody to hell. No, He didn't send anybody to hell. You choose it. Why would you want to live with somebody you don't believe in and never acknowledge and, or you've rejected? Why would you want to live in eternity with Jesus if you didn't like Him here? <laughs> He's not going to make you spend eternity with Him. He, that would be hell for you. Not you, but whoever it is that rejects Him. So He says, listen... There are consequences to rejecting me. There's consequences for saying, I don't want anything to do with you. He's not going to send anybody to hell, but you'll choose it if you so choose to reject him. It's not complicated. Carol was, Carol was praying over the communion prayer this morning. I'm thinking, that, that's, that's kind of part of my sermon. God made it simple for us. It's not complicated. You got a choice. He, made, he gives us a choice. We'll see that in a second. Verse 5. Here it is. Lord, I have chosen you and alone is my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. I'll leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. <laughs> He's our prize, our pleasure, and our portion. He's our prize. He's, a, he, he's, great, he's of great worth. There's nothing more valuable than Jesus. Nothing that you think is going to make you happy will make you happier than Jesus Christ. I don't care what kind of car you buy, what kind of house you live in, what kind of diamonds you wear on your finger, none of that will satisfy like Jesus Christ. He is our portion. He is our pleasure. He is our prize. If you don't find pleasure in following Christ, then you're not following Christ the way God's, how He's ordained us to follow Him. If, if living the Christian life is just one struggle, one failure, one fear, one exhausting lifestyle, then you are not following the same Christ I'm following. Because He says, I'm here for your pledge. I, I, your life should be full and abundant. Now, I understand we go through stuff, but we don't go through it alone. 
had a young lady texting me yesterday. She said, this is bad. This is happening in my life. She said, you know, I, I don't know if I can do this by myself. And Mary Lou just responded. She said, just tell her. She's not by herself. Whatever you're going through, if you, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord, say, you're not by yourself. Listen, not, just, not only do you have God there, but you have your church family. You have your church, you have your, your saints. The saints gathering around you to pray for you and hold you up. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Lord, I have chosen you as my inheritance. We do, I talked about that a lot. When, when I preach funerals, I talk about inheritance. I talk about legacy. What are you leaving your kids? Well, I'm going to leave them a house and a car. Well, that's fine. But leave them faith. Give them faith. Give them a, give them a real legacy. Give them something that's going to last them for eternity. Not something that they can save. And move on from, give them something to last. Have you chosen Jesus Christ as your inheritance? Have you put your destiny in His hands, in His timing, in your hands? How many of you prayed for something to happen? I, is this just coming, going in and out? Ah. Better, better one or better two? How many of you ever prayed for something to happen and you kind of gave God a time limit? And, and if it happened in your timing, it was really messed up. Unless the Holy Spirit showed you that was God's timing. But we... At the end of it, we always go, man, God, your timing is so much better than mine, right? Because, see, he doesn't just see the past and the present. He sees the future, so he knows. He knows when something really needs to happen in your life. Sometimes he just defers it. Anybody ever had anything deferred? Adjudication. <laughs> That's really a good thing to hear in court sometimes. <laughs> We're going to give you a deferred adjudication. Okay, thank you. No jail time. That's good. <laughs> but God, sometimes he defers things because he knows something down the road. You're going to need it then more than you need it now when you think you've got to have it. His timing is always correct. That's what he's saying here. How many of you know when you gave your life to Christ that you actually took your hands off your destiny? You say, God, I put my hands in your hands. I Remember that old Christian rock song that came out is back way on the edge, Judy. Put your hand in the hand of the man who steals the water. Man, see when those songs came out, y'all don't know this, but us kids that were brought up in the 60s and were brought up with the Beatles and all those guys, when when something halfway kind of rocky, rock and, rock and rollish Christian music came out, we were like, yes, that's good, you know? And then you go back and listen to it now, like, man, that was dorky. <laughs> It was good, though. Put, is the, the message, put your hand in. Because when you do that, when you say, I, I, I give up my, my choices, my God is going to be about you, your, your destiny for me. Here's the thing. If he's got the timing in his hand, he's got your destiny in his hand, in your hands, and you've chosen him, and he's, he's got an inheritance for you, and he's put you in the palm of his hand, and now he's guiding you, 
It's way better than any choices you could ever make. Some of you ask God for this and you ask Him for that. And then you go, okay, God, but it's okay if it's, it's in your timing. I'm going to go ahead and let you have, have your way there. And we do it reluctantly. But listen, I'm telling you, don't do it reluctantly. Do it gladly. Because He is going to take care of you. That whole scripture in Psalm 16:5 kind of goes back to when even as King David's writing it to Matthew 6:33, which has been the core verse for this whole series of the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, right? And all these things shall be added to you. He'll take care of you. You just got to put Him first. He's got you. He's got you covered. Verse 6, Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you. For you have given me the best. The privilege of His presence. The privilege of His presence. As we gathered here this morning in our praise team, we used to say, Mary Lou and I would say, oh, I'm just so so thankful for the praise team because they just sacrificed so much to come. And But, you know, we finally, finally decided that, no, we're not going to say that anymore. That's not a sacrifice. Some of you, oh, I sacrificed to come to church. No, you didn't sacrifice to come here. I, I don't know when the last time any of us really sacrificed for God, but I know there are people in prison right now in China that have sacrificed. And they're in prison in the Middle East because they've sacrificed. They said, God, it doesn't matter what, what man does to me. I, I'm, I'm going to shout your name from the rooftops. And they've given, they've given their lives. They've literally died for the cause of Christ. Oh, but Lord, they're going to start at 10 o'clock. And it's, I don't know if I can make it by 10. And sometimes that pastor goes on and it's like 1230. We're still, oh, I'm just sacrificing. I want to give up. I want to sacrifice. I ain't go to church. That's not a sacrifice. It's a privilege to come into the house of God freely and worship Him. It's a privilege. Say it's a privilege. It's not a sacrifice. But you don't know I fasted like for three meals, Pastor. It's a no, that's not a sacrifice. That's called a diet for some of you. Ah, sometimes I get myself in trouble. I'm out. Is that okay, honey? Okay. She didn't say move on, so I guess I was okay. The privileges of knowing Jesus Christ and His presence in our life are, are, are innumerable. You know, a few weeks ago I preached on the, the benefits that come with knowing Christ. Psalm 103, you can go back and look it up. You know, He forgives all of my iniquities. Heals all my diseases. He crowns my life with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies me with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That's a benefit of being in His presence and knowing Him. It's a privilege to know Him. He takes care of us. He loves us. He, he loves us and He gives and He pours out all the time. And we think, oh, I'm just going to sacrifice and Maybe I'll go to Wednesday night. Maybe I'll get in a live group. I don't know. It's a lot. When it's not. It's a, it's a privilege. Psalm 40 verse 4 says, Blessing after blessing come to those who love and trust the Lord. They will not fall away, for they refuse to listen to the lies of the proud. Blessing after blessing. How many of you like to be blessed? 
You know one of the greatest blessings of being a, a believer is peace. Isn't that right? Just peace, no matter what's going, no matter what you're going through. Connie, I just bless you with peace today, and Rudy, I bless in your family with peace. Is is what we walk through tomorrow? What you're walking through today is a peace that passes understanding. God is good. Jesse's good. Woo, Jesse's good. You know, Jesse's real name is Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I know they say Jesus, but it's Jesus. J E S U S. Jesus is with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Woo! Oh, man. Verse 7 of Psalm 16. The way you, ooh, I spit right on my paper, and that's, the ink is running. Oh, my goodness. Verse 7. The way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more. Oh, this is going to be good. For your whispers in the night give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. There is praise in his presence. Now, I know many people in the midst of being corrected or disciplined by God, you don't really want to turn around and praise Him. Oh, thank you, God, for making that known to me. Thank you for exposing that stuff in my life. Oh, I just praise you for that, Lord. A lot of times we don't, listen, we think we can hide stuff from God. We think, we, oh, God, surely don't, don't expose that. I, I'm good with that. I got, I got it. But listen, when he does show something in you, there, there's a weakness or there's, or there's a, a sin issue in your life or, or there's some wrong thinking going on in your life and he exposes that to you and he disciplines you or he corrects you, that's when we should burst into praise. Thank you, God, for caring enough to discipline me. We have too many kids in our society that their parents don't care enough or love them enough to discipline them. That went over good. Well, that's my child. <laughs> Spare the rod. Yeah, I was waiting for somebody to shout that one out. Spare the rods, my old child. I didn't never like that verse growing up. So my parents didn't believe in that. It was spare the belt. You need to receive correction with a praise in your heart and stay in His presence in the midst of it. Because sometimes the correction is to get you back into His presence. Because you've stepped outside of it. you stepped outside of the safety or the ark or whatever it is. You, you just Because you started walking in your flesh and, and He says, ah, come back here. We're safe. Run back into the strong tower. Run away from the world. Run back into the strong tower. Because you're righteous. But you're not acting. I'm not acting righteous. But you're righteous because my son is in you. It's his righteousness that I'm calling back. Bring him. Come, in, come back. Come back. Praise in his presence. This is a great verse that goes along with that. It's in Proverbs 3, 11. This is my child, when the Lord speaks to you, never take his words lightly. And never be upset when he corrects you. 
For the Father's discipline comes only from His passionate love and pleasure for you. Even when it seems like His correction is harsh, it's still better than any father on earth gives to his child. Isn't that good? So if you've been corrected by God, just say, I thank you, Father. I, I, I'm, so, I'm so glad you caught that because I was kind of starting to be numb to it. How many of you know you can get numb to things? And all of a sudden you wake up one day, how did I get here? And God said, well, I've been trying to tell you. Come back. Verse 8, 16 8. Because you are close to me and always, avail always available, my confidence will never be shaken. For I experience your wraparound presence every moment. Say wraparound presence. Wrap presence. That's the best rap music you'll ever hear. The wraparound presence of God. You should wrap that, CJ. God's presence leads to persistence. Say persistence. I'm trying to stay with the P's here, so I had to really hunt, okay? If you've never prepared a sermon, they say people can remember it if you stick with the same letter. So sometimes it's really difficult. You just kind of want to go, now nah, I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to go with a different letter. But persistence. How many of you know what he's talking about here? When you're walking in a persistent lifestyle of faith and when you're in the presence persistently going after him, pursuing his presence, listen. When the things of the earth, when the, when the cares of this world start slamming up against you, you will walk through those things with a, a peace that passes understanding. How many of you know that Christians should walk through difficulties and trials and tribulations different than the world walks through them? Huh? You know, I marvel at people when they're going through something like a death in the family or they're going through a tragedy or they've lost something that's valuable to them. I, 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 I marvel that how do people that don't, know have, don't have Jesus, don't have His presence, don't have the love of Christ in them, don't have the, the faith to walk through these things, how do they get through it? I just don't understand how they get through it. But God's put something within us that we can walk through these things with victory. Connie's got victory today. Rudy's got victory today. Their family has victory today because you know what? We know exactly where Jesse is. You know that saying, well, we've lost so-and-so. No, we haven't lost him. We know exactly where he is. He's not lost. He's found. More found today than ever. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. James 4.8 says this, Move your heart closer and closer to God and He will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. A persistent lifestyle is a persistent drawing near to God. I love that scripture. And I heard this preached a while back. I don't know if it's William McDowell or somebody that we heard in Pittsburgh. but they, And I never thought about it. But that, the verse is, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Guess who he's telling us to draw close first? Us. We have to do the drawing. We have, to, we have to be the ones that go near Him first, and then He comes to us. You know why? Because He won't force Himself on anybody. He's just waiting for us to get close to Him. How many of you love it when, you're, when your grandkids want to get close to you? The other day we found out that Ezra was in, our grandson, he's three years old, in a class, he ran away from the teacher. <laughs> My wife, she's the first thing she said, well, did y'all discipline him? I said, you can't discipline that little boy. He's too cute. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I know. But how many of you ever had you 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 had your child there and they just took off running from you? Anybody besides me? Your kid, they just run away, and you want them to come near to you. You, you want your grandkids especially. Sometimes you want your own kids to just go, you know. Get, go, get out of the house. <laughs> but when, your grand, when your grandchild's there, you want to, what do you want them to do, Judy? You want them to run, run and jump in your lap, right? Don't you? Draw near, and he, man, you're, all they got to do is just start coming to you, man, you're, you're ready. See, God's just waiting for us to come and draw near to him. Sometimes because of sin, because of, of uh, this doubt and unbelief that comes in is what he's talking about here. Cleanse your heart. Listen, you don't want to draw near to God when you've got all this stuff in your life, but he's okay with that. He says, come near to me. Repent. Draw near to me. I love you. Don't let sin keep you from drawing near to Christ. Just repent and get up in his lap again. Amen? Verse 9. Almost done. Again, that means nothing. My heart and soul explode with joy, full of glory. This is King David writing this. Even my body will rest confident and secure, for you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you allow your Holy One to experience corruption. This is God's promise. Now when... Peter quoted this verse on, on the day of Pentecost. David was writing not only about himself here, but he was writing prophetically about Jesus Christ. God's not, not going to let His Holy One, Jesus, see corruption. And what that meant was, He wasn't going to stay in the grave. He's going to raise Him up. He's going to resurrect Him. But you see, that verse applies to us too. We are His Holy Ones. Say, I'm His Holy One. See, a lot of people, oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. Holy one. Holy means set apart. We are set apart for his cause, for his purpose, for his kingdom. So when he says that you're the holy ones, I'm not going to allow you to see corruption. I'm not going to allow you. See, when he says the, 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 the incorruptible seed comes into and takes care of this corruptible seed, we become incorruptible. And we're not going to see destruction. And that's why we have this hope beyond the grave. That's why we have this hope. That's why the word, the word of God says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're in His presence. Jesse's in His presence. Now, Martin Smith is in His presence. Some of you, you have grandparents and, and parents and friends and relatives, and they're in His presence today because they gave their life to Jesus Christ. And once, uh, once we leave this old body, because this old body is just, it's just a tabernacle. It's a tent. It's temporary. When we move from this and we are promoted into the presence of God, everything changes for us. Corruptible, say I'm incorruptible. And his goodness and his mercy, and we're getting into his presence. He says, Let me bring some revelation to you. That's when he starts speaking to us. That's like a while ago, and I said, Just be quiet. So many times we think we have to be, have to have something going on. I walk up to people and I think they're being quiet and they've got these little things stuck in their ears. And you start talking to them and they can't hear you because it, people have to, it seems like they always have to have something going on. Instead of getting quiet because they can't stand the quiet. But that's when God can work in your life. 
He speaks in whispers in the night that one of the earlier verses said. He whispers us to us in the night. How many of you know that God speaks to you in the night hours, in the night season? Yeah, there's a bunch of you. He whispers to you. You know, some of us think God just shouts and He's got a really mean voice. No, He's got a beautiful voice and He whispers to us. He, he speaks to us in His still, small voice. He just speaks like, like a lover would speak because He's the lover of our souls. Some of us have been so programmed because of our own parents that God surely couldn't be that nice and that good and that merciful that He is. You bring me a continual revelation of the resurrected life. When we baptized today, when Ed baptized and Latonia baptized today, I talked about the resurrected life, the revelation of it. See, the enemy wants us to forget about that we have a resurrected life. That's why so many of you fall under, under, uh, under unworthiness and you let him beat you up and because you don't feel like, oh, I haven't done enough, I haven't, I haven't been good enough. And God wants you to have a revelation every day of the resurrected life that He has for you. The path to bliss that brings me face to face with you. You know, in the Hebrew, there's in Hebrew there's no no word for presence. The word presence is not in the Hebrew language. A better definition of the the presence in the Hebrew language to be face to face. Face to face. I guess that's why so many people like FaceTime. Revolutionary. I'd rather talk to my grandson face-to-face or my daughter or whoever else. I'd rather see them face-to-face when I'm talking to them. Wouldn't you? Well, God wants us to come face-to-face with Him. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what that even means. Except He wants us to spend time with Him, get into His presence. Husbands, wives, when you're separated from each other, you should want to see each other face-to-face as soon as possible. Right? What does it look like to be face-to-face with God? Well, I'll tell you this. He wants an intimate, personal relationship with everybody. He's not some abstract God. He wants us to listen. He wants to hear our voice. He wants us to hear His voice. He's not something, He's not out there somewhere. He's here. He abides within us. I want to close with 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And ministry team, you can go ahead and be making your way up here. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Why did I read that verse to close? Because it had the word face to face or that phrase face to face in there, and not really. It's because I just want you to know I don't understand it all. I haven't got it all figured out, but neither do you. And it's okay. Because God's God and we're not. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? And so when, when you leave here today, well, I don't understand getting into His presence. Listen, I don't either. 
I, I don't entirely know what that looks like. All I know is that God wants us there. And he said, I want you there so bad that I sent my son that he could come and be with you and in you and, and take up residence in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you say, I, I've never been in his presence, you've been in his presence if you give your life to Christ because he has come to live within you through his Holy Spirit. You carry his presence. We are hosters. We host his presence. Whether you think about it on, on a 24-7 basis or not, we are carriers of this treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We're the, we're the jars. And we carry His presence wherever we go. But He doesn't want us just to carry His presence. He wants us to live in His presence. He wants us to walk in His presence. He wants us to talk about Him. He wants us to think about Him all the time. He wants to put us, us to put our thoughts upon Him and not upon the things of the world. And we get so caught up with the things of the world. But His presence goes before us. He's got us covered up. He's got us hemmed in on every side. Every side. So today, I think what He wants you to do is acknowledge His presence. Recognize His presence. Would you stand? Some of you this morning, the word's already been given. Maybe you already prayed the prayer to receive Christ earlier. And if that's you, this is what we call publicly affirming your decision, making it public in front of others because you're not ashamed of what God's doing in your life, what He just did, saved you from a devil's hell. That's a pretty big deal. So if that's you this morning, if you gave your life to Christ, if you prayed to receive Christ, you don't even understand it all. Listen, you don't have to. I'm going to encourage you to step out and come and grab the hand of one of these ministers here at the altar and say, I gave my life to Jesus today. If that's you, step out and come. We want to pray for you. Just step out and come. I know it takes courage, but now that you have Christ in you, you have courage. If that's you, step out and come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? If that's you, today you've, you've had an encounter with God and His presence has overwhelmed you. His love has overwhelmed you. Step out and come. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We've got a book we want to give you about, about the Christian walk. Anybody else? As Pam said, this is a life and death situation. So we encourage people to, to really be in prayer right now, not to be jumping up, moving around, but we encourage you just to pray because some people right now are making life and death decisions. Some people in this room may be being, have been battling suicide, suicidal thoughts, and God wants to come and bring His light into that, bring healing to you. If that's you this morning, we want you to step out and come. If you have stepped away from God and you've walked away from God and you're, you're struggling in your walk, and God said, today's your day. You need to get right with God. Step out and come. I'll tell you a little bit more about Martin Smith. I'll probably share this today at the funeral or the memorial service. 
After we uh, it reaffirmed his faith, you reaffirmed his faith. We made him understand hey, it's not about how good you are, how many works you've done. It's about the grace and goodness of God. Man, he changed. I mean, his, his demeanor changed. Even though he was struggling to breathe, we would be. I was there when people would leave the room after he had so many visitors would come, and they would, before they would leave the room, you know what he would say? He said, "Now you make sure you get everything right with God." You make sure you make things right with Jesus. You see, none of us are guaranteed another breath. We saw a man 46 years of age gasping, just wanting another breath. And we all think, well, I've got plenty of time to make these decisions. You, you may have, but you may not. Today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If today is the day, he said, do not harden your hearts. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is your appointed time to give your life to Him. We want to pray with you. If you're struggling in your walk, we want to pray with you. If you've been given a bad diagnosis from the doctor, we want to pray with you. We want to speak life where somebody else may have, may have spoken death. We want to set you on that path that God has, the path of, path of pleasure. Path, the path of purpose, the path of prosperity, the path of really growing in your faith. We want to put you on that road where you're really walking with the Lord. You're enjoying His presence as you go. So, Father, this morning, as people are dealing with them, maybe they're even struggling with a decision right now. Give them the grace. Give them the courage. Whatever they need to do, Father, that they would come and get prayer today if that's what's needed. Lord, that they will not be ashamed to step out and say, I need some help. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with finance. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with my children. No matter what they need, Father, that they would be willing to step out and say, I just need prayer. I need somebody just to come alongside me and hold me up. If that's you this morning, you need prayer. Step out and come. We want to pray for you. Step out and come. Marriage is in trouble. We want to pray for your marriage. Issues with your children. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Would y'all shift this way? Come this way. It's healing, healing families. Restoring families. And if your family is fragmented today, God wants to restore it. He really does. That's His plan. His purpose. It's a good one. It's a good one. We want to pray for you. Anybody else? Anybody else need prayer? Any young couple struggling? We got Aaron and... Why don't y'all come step up here? Aaron and Austin. Any of our younger couples, if you're struggling, Aaron and Austin, they have an awesome class on Monday night, 6.30. Where do y'all meet? In the break room? In the break room downstairs? Now, y'all might want to consider moving to Brandy's class now because she's... They're done. So, y'all can, can talk about that tomorrow night. Okay? Anybody else need prayer this morning? We want, to call, we want to give everybody an opportunity. You may think, well, everybody's watching. Everybody in here has been up for prayer at one time or another. Everybody in here probably has been, it's been, it's needing prayer. There's nobody in here that doesn't need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer? Somebody in here need prayer? Yeah, you need prayer. Well, these, these people love you. And they don't go and blab anything to me. They just, man, this, 
what you tell them that it keeps stays within them unless you say can you that unless you say would you mind sharing this with the pastor that's the only reason they would ever do that it's, it's confidential they want to pray with you this morning anybody else we want to pray with you step out and come y'all please lift up uh, Martin Smith's family that celebration of his life is today at, at 3 o'clock and the Haro family Jesse, Jesse's family Connie and her family tomorrow Jeff Peters and his grandmother's funeral is tomorrow in Oklahoma uh, it just seems like there's been a lot of sadness in that area but also a joy that goes along with it my uncle who's 84 uh, has become very ill. He was the uncle that baptized. I was saved under his ministry. He baptized me and then he performed our wedding. And uh, great man of God. Charles along. He's he's in the hospital in Austin. I would appreciate that you lift up uh, his family. And he's ready to go. He's been ready to go for quite a while. So we just pray God's mercy over him today. Y'all just grab hands. Lord, let's just close in prayer this morning. Grab a hand. Father, we thank you for your presence today. You're such an awesome, awesome, awesome God. Your love knows no limits. Your grace and your mercy knows no limits. And I thank you for your presence today to heal, to save, to restore, to renew, to fill. Truly, the joy of the Lord is our strength today. And we lift up these families that are in just grieving. But Lord, I thank you that we don't grieve as people that don't have hope because we have hope and our hope is in the Lord. I thank you for the salvations today, for the healings, for the miracles, the miracle of life. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. God is good. We love you.